Mr. Dave Emerson, CEO <laughs> of Zap Records and also the head guy at Dystopian Futures. Dave, you and I are always messaging back and forth about music. Funny enough, this is the first time we've actually spoken about your own project, Dystopian Futures. Taking on that band name, it sounds like you're spending way too much time watching post-apocalyptic movies. <laughs> Excellent. Dave, it's good to chat. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do enjoy post-apocalyptic movies. I, I, I won't lie. Um, but I think it's kind of about something more than that. I mean, we definitely play with the sci-fi connection. Uh, you can kind of see that in some of our artwork and stuff like that. But um, I wouldn't want us to be pigeonholed as like a sci-fi band, you know, <laughs> um, or even sci-fi punk, because I think it's kind of broader than that. But you know, even in terms of influences, the thing that hit me the most was, um, you know, you see these silly memes on Facebook. I'm not really into them. But there was one about the fact that and it's a couple of years ago now that this was the date that they came to in Back to the Future you know, and like <laughs> this was supposed to be like this glorious future where everything was wonderful and there's, the, you know, the cool technology and the hoverboards and the jackets that like, you know, shrink themselves to fit you and all this cool stuff and and just kind of realizing, wow, yeah, it's it's not like that at all. Um, I read a lot. So there's a lot of influences from people like Orwell um, and Aldous Huxley and people like that who kind of really in their own time, we're trying to fight against this kind of idea of like, oh my goodness, the future is going to be so utopian. Everything's going to be wonderful. H.G. Wells was a really strong proponent of that idea. Like, you know, technological development is going to make the world perfect. And, um, you know, these guys were living sometime after him and were realizing that's just absolute nonsense. Um, so I take a lot of influences from from those kind of authors and um, just kind of looking at the world around us and, and realizing that, you know, for as much as we have advanced technologically, um, I think that's actually caused us detrimental harm in regards to, you know, how we view one another, our relationships. And I don't see it improving the quality of life for most people in the world. So the dystopia, those two words, that small title is trying to kind of communicate all of that, so. <laughs> <laughs> which is impossible. It's kind of silly of me to try and cram that much meaning in. But yeah, just the idea that our future that we were all so excited about as kids is quite dystopian as we look at it now. So you told me that you love H.G. Wells. Now it's time to give us your favorite apocalypse film. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> you can't do this on the spot. <laughs> There's so many of them. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of it. Oh goodness. Give me a second. It'll come to me. Oh man. The parenthesis is how we learn to love the bomb. What's it called? Dr. Strangelove. Yes, there we go. It's just a great film. I mean, it's it's black and white oldie. The acting is just absolutely incredible. Um, the storyline's wonderful. You know, it kind of really fits into that kind of idea of like, oh my goodness, what happens if, if something in the chain of command went wrong and the bomb did get dropped, you know, and what would happen after that? And, um, you know, and then something a little bit closer to our time anyway, probably War Games. Right. Um, great film. Um, again, it's it's not actually post-apocalyptic. I guess neither of those really are, but they're kind of talking about you know like what would happen if all-out nuclear war did happen. You know, um, for a long time, I don't think that's been something that's particularly relevant to people. You know, after the this kind of really scary time of the Cold War, you know, once we kind of got into the '90s, it wasn't really a big deal anymore. But I kind of look at the world now, and I, I think there's kind of almost a return to that fear, like. 
we're still heavily armed with nuclear weapons. What happens if some guy in power, you know, with a really bad toupee, that could be several people, I'm not necessarily blaming one or the other, but what if one of those guys decides he's just really had enough today and he's going to press the button, you know? Um, and that's kind of crazy that we've gone full circle and kind of gone back to some of that fear. I didn't think that would ever be something that would be a concern for people again, but it is. I'm going to give you one that's really, really, really bad. Post-apocalypse and music combined, six-string samurai. <laughs> And trust me, you're not going to want to see it. It's really, really <laughs> bad. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. It's one I haven't seen. We might as well keep on talking about Apocalypse. The song Apocalyptic Romance came out on your first release. And I guess, fortunately, it's probably not about your relationship with your wife. <laughs> but it does say dehumanized, no soul, no purpose. That's depressing. It is I can't refute that. It is depressing. I have tried really hard with this project, with my lyrics, to take a really brutally honest look at the world, um, to take a brutally honest look at relationships, the way that people function, um, society in general, social trends, things like social media and technology and the way that we use that to basically manipulate one another. Um, and... I've tried to be honest about that. And so in trying to be honest about it, I have to deal with the negative aspects. But I, I have tried in all of my songwriting to try and bring in some aspect of hope. Uh, and generally, that's me just trying to point people towards Christ because I don't see any other solution to the maladies of our society um, because we we have become those things. You know, it, I worked a job for a couple of months when we first moved back to Scotland, having lived in South Africa for six years. I got the train to work every day and I watched people just basically plug into their phone. They got onto the train, they sat down and they plugged in and they were on their phone for the entire 45 minutes all the way to work. Um, no one talked to anyone else. You know, they were just like in their zone on their phone, in their bubble. You know, and then I got to work and I plugged into the computer and I answered the phones. It feels like more and more in society, people are just literally cogs and numbers. Um, and I do feel like we are certainly in the Western world. I can't say for everywhere, but I do feel like people are being dehumanized. I feel like we don't interact with one another as if we have souls or purpose or meaning. I see social interaction generally being quite shallow. And it tends to be, especially in terms of social media, about what you can get from someone. You know, I need you to retweet my tweet. I need you to heart my Insta. I need you to like my Facebook post, whatever it is. Um, it's about kind of getting validation from each other instead of actually seeing that that person has a soul and an innate value because of the fact that they are created and have worth in God's eyes. And I don't see that in society. And so I have to write about it. You mentioned about what others were doing on the train as you were heading into work. What were you doing then if you weren't plugged into your phone? <laughs> Um, I was trying to read. Um, I was trying to listen to music. I was trying to do something that for me personally would try and kind of lift me, edify me at, you know, at quarter past seven in the morning on the train. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not perfect either. I spent time on my phone as well. Um, I'm not trying to come across as a judgmental. If that's how the lyrics come across, it's not meant to. Um, but it's just kind of identifying those social patterns and, and then, you know, sort of saying in the broadest terms, like, is this good? You know, is this healthy? Should we continue with this? Because I think there's a lot of stuff that happens that's just taken to be acceptable and normal, 
but I think it should be questioned. Good point. I want to get into the band itself. Dystopian Futures is a stripped down kind of band. Just two of you. Does that make yeah. it simpler or more difficult? Um, at the moment, I think it makes it simpler. Um, it's kind of a format I'm used to, you know, with being the vocalist for the old timers. Um, Donovan Denecker did a great job of coming up with the music and he would kind of push that to me and he would send me, you know, a whole batch of songs and then I'd get to choose which ones I felt like I could put vocals to. Um, and it, there's something beautiful about that because it kind of makes it easier to just move forward and get it done and finished and released. So it's kind of the same with Dystopian Futures. Um, Scott Key is the, the main songwriter, I would say. He comes up with a lot of the riffs. I mean, I, I definitely contribute, um, but he is just an incredible musician. He has a degree in musicology. Um, he knows music theory, you know, like right up to the highest levels. Um, but at the same time, he knows how to just like play the music of the people, you know what I mean? Um, and just write these really catchy riffs. And But what we're trying to do musically is, is really explore stuff that's outside of what would normally be deemed punk. Like we both consider ourselves punks and we feel like we, we're trying to take a punk rock attitude and kind of the DIY mentality into this project. Um, but we're also trying to just explore things and include things that we wouldn't necessarily be able to do in other bands. Um, Scott has a really big interest right now in um, serialism, which is this kind of music theory. I don't really understand it, but, but it's about like playing notes um, in a series and not just like, you know, normal chord structures, but like quite weird. Um, yeah, I'm not doing a very good job of describing it. But <laughs> so for right now, it's really great because we can bounce ideas off each other. Oftentimes I find we will have had a, like a week apart and then we'll come back and we have the same idea, which is really cool. Um, it's obviously going to be an issue for us as we move down the line because we definitely would like to play live shows. We can't do that, just the two of us. Not unless we rely on you know a drum machine and loads of samples and loops, and that's not really our ideal. So we are um, looking to add musicians to the band. We have a friend who's currently in Canada. He's in Toronto, and he's heading back to Scotland, which is his homeland, um, in October. So we're hoping when he gets back that he can join the band and play drums. Um, he played drums on Fear when he was back one time. So we're, we're hoping to get him to join the band. So, um, yeah, it's it's great for now. Uh, we're trying to just basically build a set so that we can actually go into being a live band. Uh, and once we add other musicians, then that will definitely change the dynamic. But uh, it's working for now. We're, we're happy with it. <laughs> you brought up the word weird. Kazoo, cowbell, and fiddle in a punk band. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're deadly serious. <laughs> um, again, I don't know if we'll get away with describing our band as punk. We're definitely punks, and we have a punk mentality, but I don't think that the finished product ends up being punk by the strictest terms, do you know what I mean? But it's one of those things where everyone has a different idea of what exactly punk is. Um, for me, I, I think punk has always been about experimentation, about not being afraid to express yourself in ways that are seem odd or quirky or different to mainstream. So um, I think we're punk in that sense, but I'm not, I'm not sure if musically other people would identify it as punk, you know? I don't know. Um, but yeah, we have in, a bunch of instruments and we're like, what else can we throw in here? We, know, we we kind of build the skeleton of the song and we're like, well, okay. And we record that usually. And then we're like, you know, it's lacking here. What can we, what can we add in there? Scott being the musical genius that he is, he's a, a multi-instrumentalist and has access to quite a, a wide variety of instruments. That, Including uh, cowbells. 
including the cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just us having fun, you know, and a big part of it is that, you know, that we are experimenting. We are making music about a really serious subject, but we're also trying to have fun at the same time. You know, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Like it's not a full time job or anything like that. You know, it's something that we do as and when we have a little bit of spare time here and there. And we're just enjoying ourselves in the studio. I mean, you can hear that. We, you know, quite a number of our songs end with me just in fits of laughter, just because we're just having such a good time. I want to head back to the name dystopian futures. Does that mean we're not there yet? I think it's purposefully ambiguous. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm 34 now. So I'm, I'm kind of the age that I kind of thought about, you know, my future self, you know, or what will the future be like? I feel like I'm kind of in that stage of my life now, you know, I'm married, I have kids, I bought a house, (laughs) I got really grown up and responsible, Um, you know, I've got life insurance. So there's that aspect of it, like, you know, this is the future from when I was a kid, this is the future and it's kind of dystopian. But then it's also like this idea, like, that's why futures is plural. It's like, well, each of us has a future, you know, like, and what's the future beyond this, you know, like this was the future then, but now we're living now. What about what's coming ahead? Is that going to continue to be dystopian? Can we do something about it? Can we change it? So it's it's purposefully ambiguous in that sense. Then I want to hear your thoughts. What's the biggest problem in society? Oh. Personal opinion. <laughs> You're setting me up to make a lot of enemies, Dave. <laughs> oh, narcissism. How so? I feel like society is heavily narcissistic um i'm not pointing any fingers at any particular generation Um, but i do think that as time goes on not only the youngsters but i really do think that across the board i'm seeing people becoming increasingly narcissistic where life is very much about you personally and what you can get out of it and how you can use other people to get what you want out of life Um, And if people don't validate you in the way that you want them to, or they don't respond in the appropriate manner that you have dictated, then you cut them off. And I know I'm harping on social media, but I do feel like social media is set up to encourage and almost breed narcissism because it is very much about how do people respond to what I say? How do people respond to my content? And I feel like people's lifestyle choices are increasingly about them and only them. Um, And I think we kind of see that then play out in in terms of people's relationships. People are extremely lonely. Um, You know, we see relationship breakdowns on all sorts of levels, marriages, parents, children. Um, And I really, I think a lot of it does boil down to, to narcissism. And dystopian futures is your method of proclaiming this to the world, not through social media. (laughs) Yes, we do leverage social media. You know, that's why I'm saying I don't want to harp on social media. I really think it can be a tool. Um, You know, you and I were talking about my friends in Two Minute Minor and how they are excellent communicators. They really use social media um, as a tool to their benefit. And they're, they're really doing a great job of getting the word out there about their new album. They're using it to make connections with people in the scene so that they can, you know, put shows on together and encourage each other. And that's great. And I really think that social media can be used as a wonderful tool. I personally use it regularly. 
um, for organizing things for our church and connecting with people that we haven't met face to face. And it's great for that. But I think that it can also be um, a real evil. You know, it, it's a wonderful tool when used correctly, but it's very easy to use it wrong uh, and to get caught up in it. I've certainly personally myself um, experienced that, you know, that, that I got to a place where uh, I had to comment on everything everyone said and I had to be right all the time and I needed people to, you know, respond to my posts and I myself had to really pull it back and, and kind of assess like, is this healthy? You know, I'm becoming a total jerk. I don't want to do this. It's just so easy to type something and not think about the tone and how it might come across to other people. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I think it's something we need to think about. Yeah. Dystopian futures is definitely something where I'm using it to voice my opinions and feelings about things. Um, I would definitely like to engage people about these questions and these topics. Um, in the hopes of, of just kind of inspiring some thought, because I think a lot of the trends I see people just kind of just go right along, you know, without much thought or analysis of what it is that they're getting into. <laughs> You're voicing more of your opinions on that new Dystopian Futures EP, Low Arts. It has the song Omniphobes. One of the verses goes, the politics of hatred in the houses of power, the engine of fear grinding hour by hour. The beast or banshee at the heart of all mankind is goaded into outrage by blind leaders of the blind. Is being blind typical for all of us? <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm just really being impacted by um, how harsh these lyrics really are and how easily they could be misconstrued as me just telling everyone that they're wrong. Um, that's really not my heart. Um, well, no, that's what I, I wondered about, because you seem like such a regular guy, Dave. I mean, <laughs> is this really your true calling, you know, <laughs> like being an anarchist? <laughs> I'm not a sociopath, I promise. Um, <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. Um, you know, I just I see a lot of things happening in the world that are really disheartening. Um, and I feel like it's a time in history when it's hard to be hopeful. We're really experiencing some very difficult things economically um, on the world stage. We're experiencing, you know, extremism. Um, I do think that a lot of places in the world right now, the, the political leaders um, are untrustworthy. <laughs> and I don't trust their agendas. And I, I see things here in Britain. Um, I'm not a big fan of our current prime minister and her policies. And um, I see more fear. And because of that fear, I see that fear feeding more hatred and more distrust of people that are different, you know, people that look different or from different places. Um, and that scares me. In my personal opinion, I feel like that's coming from the top levels, you know, like from the politicians kind of feeding down. Whether that's their intention or not, I'm not sure. But the way that they word things, unfortunately, that translates into fear and hatred on the ground in society um and i guess that's what i'm trying to voice there is like i feel like people are kind of blind to the politics that are being played out and how it's affecting the way that they treat other people what i'm saying in that line there about being goaded into outrage is like you know we're being led by these people who have agendas that i don't trust but they're doing a good job of voicing it and people are buying into it and it feels to me like they're being encouraged to to be intolerant 
you know, and to lash out and to blame others for their problems. And yeah, I don't think that's great. We have to talk about the EP's title track, Low Arts. This is going to make me sound strange, but I don't actually watch TV. The song talks about that kind of media, but it goes beyond that. Do you want to share about the song? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the whole idea of the song Low Arts, my pastor used the phrase uh, in a sermon, and it just really struck me. And he was talking about how basically people will use manipulation and um, and pride and arrogance to kind of get their own way. You know, in the Bible, Jacob is a really good example of that. He totally tricked his brother out of his birthright twice over. Um, and he, he described those as the low arts. And that's what really inspired me to kind of write that song. It's just basically a, a kind of treatise on me seeing that kind of behavior again in the media. Yeah, I talk about television. Um, I talk about the celebrity culture because I feel like we celebrate celebrities. That, that's a really bad, <laughs> that's a bad pun there. Um, <laughs> but we celebrate them and, and a lot of them really shouldn't be celebrated. You know, the stuff that they get up to isn't exemplary. You know, they're, they're not setting a good example for the people who, who um, follow them, as it were. So, um, again, I'm talking about kind of social media and celebrity status, television, you know, billboards. I don't think I necessarily mentioned that, but it's just kind of this, this drip feeding of culture that, again, I, I think it, it kind of ties into that narcissism. You know, it's like if you want to be a celebrity, you know what you need to do? You need to go out there and do whatever you want, you know, and just you be you and everyone else can just go to hell. <laughs> uh, and that, that's what I'm saying. The low arts, you know, it's like you're using any means possible shady morals and ethics to, to kind of get your own way. And again, it's just another description of the trends I see in society that concern me that I, I would like people to think about and question. Dave, you are all knowing and all wise. So we need to know, is there no hope for the future? <laughs> <laughs> I think there is an absolute hope. Um, and I would say hope with a capital H. In our discussion right now, we focused on the kind of negativity of the songs, but I've tried in every single song to talk about the higher being, you know, that this love with a capital L, this hope with a capital H, the, the fact that out there, there is a God that loves us and made us and um, has wonderful plans for us. And I, I use scripture in the songs to talk about how um, God promises to be with us, that we won't drown in, in the waves, that we won't burn up in the fire. That even though we see these struggles around us and the world looks like it's going insane, there's still hope because God sent his son Christ to reach out to us with that hand of, of divine friendship, you know, and to pull us up out of the mire and to save us and to give us a fresh start. Um, and I am trying to allude to that in the songs as well. So hopefully that comes across. Amen. You need to tell people where they can find the music of dystopian futures. Absolutely. Well, um, I'm trying to be consistent. So Dystopian Futures doesn't have a social media feed of any kind. Um, but you can find all the Dystopian Futures music on the Zap Records Bandcamp, which is zaprecords.bandcamp.com. Um, because I run the label, I get to release my own music, which is it's a nice perk. Um, we have a new EP coming out on June the 11th, and that will also be on the, the Zap Bandcamp. As always, Dave, this has been great. Thanks for coming on The Antidote. 
I always love just hanging out with you, Dave, and just chatting. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it.